and welcome to Wargaming After Dark, the podcast where three friends attempt to talk to you about tabletop wargaming. As this is our first episode, we've decided to introduce ourselves and tell you why you can trust us. Ricky. I'm an area where wargaming is uncommon. Magic the Gathering is uncommon. Basically, every form of nerd hobbies is unheard of. This is still Long Island, right? Fuck off, Brian. I'm not from Long Island. Uh, so... It was relatively new to me. I started playing originally Magic the Gathering online on Xbox with a friend of mine, of all things. And then I was working in a warehouse at a time. And another guy I worked with drove up to me on a pallet jack and said, "Is like, have you ever heard of Warhammer? And I'm like, no, I've never heard of War Warhammer. And he's like, oh, it's a tabletop game. It's a lot more strategic than Magic. Wait for it. Somewhere a Magic player's head just exploded. But he's like, yeah, it's, you build the models, you paint them, you play on a specific table size, there's tape measures involved. And I was like, I was just being friendly because he was a nice guy. And I was like, yeah, you know what, I'll look into it. So that was about five or six years ago. And about $10,000 <laughs> ago. And I am completely addicted to the hobby. I absolutely love wargaming. Uh, Warhammer 40k. Uh, I've played a little bit of Infinity. I haven't purchased an army yet, which the two other gentlemen at the table are about to attack me for. But I really, this hobby resonates with me on a very deep level. I love the rules nuance. I love playing different rules interactions against each other. And I really like the, the community aspect of it too, the camaraderie that comes with it. Um, you meet a lot of great people. There aren't really many toxic war gamers out there outside of the big events. And uh, that's basically what brought us to this table, is all of us met through war gaming, and I will pass it off to Brian, so, who is the senior among us in terms of war gaming, I believe. Still beautiful. Um, I've been playing war gaming since I was 11 years old, which puts it at 22 years this July. I've just dated myself, but I'm proud of that. Um, I started with Warhammer Fantasy. I went to a friend's birthday party, actually, and he had a birthday party at a gaming store, and I got to play High Elves and be the High Elf General for that game and cut a slant down on turn two with my general with his flaming sword, and that, was, that sealed the deal right there. And then right up until 8th edition Fantasy, I played High Elves, or Dark Elves, or Wood Elves, pretty much. I had a Night Goblin army, I had a Dwarf army, had Bretonians, had Empire, but they were never what I played until as long as it was High Elves. And then when the edition changed from 7th edition fantasy to 8th edition fantasy, I just wasn't a big a fan of the style. My playgroup kind of had, we didn't have a falling out, but we stopped playing, so I backed off at that point. Um, but I was already playing 40k at the time, and I had been playing 40k since the end of 3rd edition, start of 4th edition, somewhere in that gray area. Um, and I've played 40k all the way up through a brief gap in 7th, um, and now 8th edition, which I actually organized, or was organizing before the beer flu affected us. Um, monthly tournaments, at least one a month, and several leagues. I also play Star Wars Legion and organize events for Star Wars Legion. I play Star Wars Armada, 
I play Star Wars X-Wing, first edition. I never really got into second edition. Infinity, A Song of Ice and Fire. Basically, if there's little plastic men and click clacky math rocks, I'm your guy. Um, I am where Ricky is a lovely, lovely rules lawyer. I much prefer to play a game for the story. So I'll play fluffy lists, even though if I'm bad. My friends joke at me because I often say when I see an army I like, I'm going to play this army. I don't care what the rules are. They look really cool. And unfortunately, the armies that I think look cool are also usually broken. So there's that. But really, I'm just in it for a good time. And I'm going to give it off to Sean, who's the baby of the group, who's been playing for three years. That is correct. So I started out with Magic the Gathering at a young age, actually at daycare. And the college kids were the ones that were in charge of the kids. And a few of them played Magic the Gathering. From there, I learned that all the good cards had to go to the college kids. And then as long as I didn't sleeve my cards, it was okay. Now I know that there's also another Magic player that has just died because I have very, very old Magic cards that are worth absolutely nothing that even uh, the local store will not buy. From there, I kind of had a falling out with all things of nerd and fell into that video game generation all the way up until I was in the Marines. From there, I met another Marine that was all about card, uh, card games. I asked him if he ever played Magic. He didn't. I had all of my stuff shipped out to me, and we started playing Magic. From there, I started meeting other people in the Marines that had Magic. And one had this beautiful Raven Guard army painted up on a shelf that, at the time, I had no clue what Warhammer was, had never heard of it. I had seen, like, maybe have seen that Space Marine game for the Xbox. But that was about it. And then... That was the best 40k game ever made. I remember the first time I saw that game. Thank you. Good thing that Sean brought that up. Because I had still never even heard of anything remotely like this. And I was like, that all seems a bit cartoonish to me. I don't know. Why would they go that direction with the art? I had no clue that there was like 20 years of history behind it. I, same thing. <laughs> I, I had picked up the game... After cutting down multiple orcs at this, what I know now is the Smurfs, but the uh, great Ultramarine guy running through. He's not really an Ultramarine, he's an Emperor's Champion. Uh, Black Templar, who's also an Emperor's Champion. You cannot let the Ultramarines have one thing. No, you can't. They have Uriel Ventress. That's only because it's outside of your power. So, I played the game for a bit. What, uh didn't know what it was and then like i said i met a marine that had a raven car army that sat up on the shelf no one else on our base played uh but it, all it did is it got me into looking at the armies looking at models i had started looking up stuff when i finally got out of the military i happened into the store that had mad uh the magic gathering and then just happened to have the giant wall of plastic and I and caught myself. A drug dealer behind the counter. Yes, the drug dealer. <clears throat> Brian, you already met him. 
I wasn't behind the counter. I actually walked up, introduced myself to a very sharply dressed young man that I was like, you're not here for you. Little did I know that he'd now be sitting in my office drinking my beer. It's a white claw, guys. (laughs) So, from there, I ended up picking up the Death Guard at the start of 8th edition with Dark Imperium, and then learned that the army I picked up, I had to wait for the book to come out. A few more months later, I got the rest of my army. I believe your first box was actually No No Fear, not Dark Imperium. We bought, we split that box after the we, fact. We did? Yes, we did. Oh, I don't remember. No, that that happened after I uh, got a commission painter to paint my stuff, because I was not uh, confident at all in right. painting. I remember now. Yes. So... Brian is the one that helped me into 40k at the actual big start. From there, like I said, I picked up multiple armies, sold a few, finally am at my set of uh, armies I'm probably going to keep for a while with my Harlequins, Necrons. You're keeping the Harlequins? I'm going to keep the Harlequins. Uh, I've been at hit or miss with them. I think I found a newer way to play with them that I'm going to try out for a bit. The thing that is hard is, well, we'll get into that uh, more about 9th edition later. Basically, uh, from there, it kind of opened the world of these tabletop wargaming, which I had no part of. I knew nothing about other than seeing that they were a thing. I pretty much had sold every magic card I had and turned it in so I could start buying models. I now play Age of Sigmar, which is my favorite game overall, because I grew up loving Lord of the Rings. Uh, So why Age of Sigmar over Lord of the Rings? Because I feel like Lord of the Rings, I would be too much of that person that goes, well, that's not who's supposed to win. It's just a... Which is a very true thing. I've played exactly one game of Lord of the Rings. Um, And it was at uh, GW Games Day, for anybody old like me that remembers those. Um, We went in, and this gaming club had built a two-scale minus Tirith. It was amazing. It was the tops of the towers was touching the ceiling of the... the Store. It wasn't a store. It was like an event center. A hall. Huge. Big. And we did the Battle of the Plano Fields. And it was two people on each side. And I was controlling one portion of the Rohirrim, which just happened to be Theoden, was under my control. And using the the rules for Lord of the Rings, like, I rolled perfectly for everything. And the Rohirrim rolled up, and they ran into the army of Mordor and the Witch King, and Theoden spanked him in one two. Just destroyed him. And then the Easterling showed up on the Moomakill. And we destroyed the Moomakill in one turn, like all of them. Literally, the army of the dead showed up because we were going like the guided scenario, mm-hmm. and they had nothing to do. We had already almost completely tabled the opponent. So I get what you mean. Hold cool on. game, though. Hold on, because, see, this might mix back in a little bit. Brian has told me this story before. And Brian, how is it that, that Theoden managed to kill the Witch King? Because you can fight more than once using might points and avoid death using, I believe, fate. 
you guys are going to murder me on this. I've literally only played the game once, and I swear to God, it was like... It was the Warhammer Games Day where the cake boss made the squid cake, and they announced Warhammer Online. That's how long ago it was. I think we were both too young of Warhammer for GW players to know yeah, what that is. Yeah, I don't think I was involved in GW at all at that point. Only the mention of the cake boss dates. Also, this was when they released the battle tiles the first time. Yeah. Because that was, that was the big seller, was the modular hill set. Not the uh, city tile terrain, yeah. but the one with the hills that you can build it a couple different ways. Yeah. That was the big seller at the event. Also, Forge World was there, and you could buy Forge World bits. That was really cool. And you could drive animatronic stompers and Beyblades around. I wish they still had Games Day. So, Age of Sigmar, my, my favorite game. I also play Infinity, Star Wars Legion, and uh, War Machine, and a few other small games. I know Brian and I are about to start Titanicus. His is all painted and done, and mine is... It's looking at him right now and regarding him with shame. Yes. Probably. Mine is, is being painted, actively being painted, but it's taking me a while. I They're, am a slow painter. They've been dropped off by a first order star destroyer. So, if you couldn't tell, one of our topics for tonight is going to be Warhammer 9, uh, 40K 9th Edition. It just dropped a few, what, a month now? It's about back. a month now. I think more than that, probably six weeks. Probably six weeks, because we're at the end of August. Time has no meaning anymore. Yes, yes COVID has kind of changed that. Yes, it literally, um, where we are, we... Uh, local game store we used to have two tournaments every single month which kept uh the chronology of our gaming experience pretty cohesive we um we also played every thursday night yes th uh, thursday night was the 40k night also incidentally uh two two dollar burger nights at the bar next door oh, it's the best thing in the world <laughs> yes it's very very you know but it was a great way of keeping time also it made a awesome juxtaposition for like keeping track of FAQs because you would watch from one month an incredibly dominant army FAQ comes out it either vanishes or is no longer as destructive so with the whole COVID thing and I think this is almost universally true uh, everywhere like mini wargaming and stuff like that they've had to completely restructure everything they did it's really hurt the wargaming community and i don't know if uh if brian and sean if you guys have been watching but to see the number of people like selling their armies on the open forums is really disheartening it is but i there's one thing that i'm thinking it could be happening is that people are selling them to get a new army for the new edition there's always those meta chasers but i have seen an uptick overall have full armies being sold. I, I can say for a fact that even though we're in a massive slowdown right now because of COVID, I've seen more people start new armies using my special insider information in the last month than I have in the last year. People that haven't been playing, not old players picking up a new force, but people that have never played deciding to get into the game. 
Uh, um, that's to our cult. Good. Yes. Um, again, lots. It's very odd because the people that are picking it up are people that I wouldn't expect. Um, I am a giant nerd. I have hobbies outside of wargaming. Um, I'm, I've been a member of a LARP for several years, and I've seen a lot of the LARPers that did not play war games picking it up, and it's not just 40k. I've seen Star Wars Legion go on a huge uptake. Um, Infinity is extremely popular with N4 dropping. Oh, I, th- I think N4, oh, well, I think Infinity started a spike because uh, our local store started, not, didn't start to support it just yet. We have I know uh, a few people are trying to get uh, become Warcore, and if you know any, anything about Infinity, they are the t- uh, tournament organizers for uh, Infinity. Have to have or have to be. They're the Magic Judge version for yes. Infinity. Also, since we're reading resumes, I'm also a level one Magic Judge as of last week. Congratulations! I cannot wait to see how that goes. It will be wonderful and glorious. Yes. Um, so, Infinity has kind of been on an uptick because right before, uh, maybe a month before COVID really started be shutting down uh, states, that we had a few people come out of the community and say, hey, we really want to play Infinity. I have an army and or two. And I can get in games. And we had, probably right before the shutdown, at least five new players. The Infinity community... (coughs) The Infinity community in our local meta has exploded. Um, There's actually about a pool of 12 to 15 people right now. Which is, compared to one active person, significant. Yeah. Um, So... Before we get too far down other games, let's get into Warhammer 40k 9th edition. Uh, before we jump topics too much. I know uh, we don't have a set type for this, po- uh, set regiment for this podcast. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to have fun. We're three friends here just to talk tabletop wargaming. So, Ricky, 9th edition 40k. I know you've gotten a few games in. I know we've played. I know Brian's played as well. What are your opinions, hot takes, gut checks, whatever you think? What's going on with Ninth Edition Forty K? Okay, Ninth uh, Edition Forty K. Um, we're gonna start off from a, uh, a baseline here of not necessarily from people like Brian who have been <laughs> playing for years, but I I happen to know that Eighth Edition is where most of our listeners' baseline is going to be because. The community has, I don't even know, like a 2,000% increase from 7th edition to 8th edition. I started in 7th edition. It was a very, um, how can I be kind? The game was very well laid out, I guess you could say. It would be the kindest possible way that you could put it. It was, goddamn it, Brian. It was, (laughs) Brian was not a fan of 7th edition. Uh, the rule book that being was said. I was coming off the golden age of fourth and fifth edition, which, despite everybody else, I will stand high on my horse and say fourth and fifth edition were probably the best editions of forty k. Well, from know, my vast knowledge, eighth edition was great. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference between Brian and Sean here by being correct, and and say that eighth edition was was very very good. Um, the only thing that I will say for seventh edition is that the rule book was about 280 pages of rules, and that made it very difficult to have disagreements. Didn't the rules come in a three pack? Uh, no, the rule book was in a three pack. Only one of the three pack was rules. One of the books was lore, the other one was art. And then, naturally, the third one was the the actual rule set, which, like I said, as opposed to 8th edition, which had a staggering 8 pages of rules, I, I believe. I think they were up to 12. They were, uh, and it was... Would you like us to check? Uh, I believe Brian has the rule book on hand. Okay, so back in 7th edition, we had a total of... I happen to have this glorious volume right in front of me, courtesy of Brian and his hoarder nature. Um, actually, as an event coordinator, I look at old rule books and old campaign settings to try to get ideas to give narratives to the events that I host. They work pretty good. Okay, we have a total of 205 pages of rules in 7th edition. He's including indexes and... I am not including in the index. I was leaving that out as a separate thing. It also has a complete index, which was fantastic. You could find absolutely anything in this book for 7th edition. Could you tell me about the Iandan supplement for 7th edition? The Iandan supplement was a 6th edition volume, so no, I can't unless you rephrase the question. All right, so what he's trying to get at is that 8th edition went down to 12, and then 9th edition, which a lot of people are saying is just a reformed version of 8th, and that was 32, not including a few extra pages that could be argued that weren't part of the main rules for the game. Yes, absolutely. 8th uh, edition, they, uh, they followed the Sigmar model in a lot of ways, in which where Sigmar slashed out all the fantasy rules. They they cut an incredible amount of uh, complexity out of the game. I will I will frame this in the negative, even though I, I very much like the uh, detail they went in 7th edition. They s slashed an incredible amount of complexity out of the game for 8th edition, which I, as a 7th edition player, had I had some issues with. However, the one thing I cannot argue is the explosion in the community that happened because of the lowering the, bar the barrier to entry. I have mixed opinions about 8th edition for the same reason. Because I I love tournaments. I love janky play. Ricky's seen me play. Sean's seen me play. Silly list. I loved the amount of new blood that we got into the game in 8th edition. And me being able to, at least in the very beginning of 8th edition... Before he calls there them was... victims while we're off air. In the beginning of 8th edition, before there was 8,000 FAQs, somebody could walk up to me and say, hey, I'm interested in this game. What's a good army? And I could say, well, they're all almost on an even setting, thank you, indexes. Um, however, what are you interested in? And that person could pick up a start collecting kit, go home, binge for a week, have that kit together, paint it, and come back to the store and play a game they almost 90% understood. Versus... Older editions of the game, where you were three, four, five games sometimes into the game before you were like, ah, I got this. That's very true. And those games were several hours long. So it was almost like you were taking uh, a three-day work course in how to play this game before you could get into it. And also, 
sorry. I'll say from being that uh, eighth edition starter player walking in, I know it wasn't start collecting, but it was the Dark Imperium, and I took the Death Guard half, got it painted, and came in and played. After a game or two, I was set and ready to play. I was buying more models, and was I the best player? No. No player that starts out is going to be good in that edition, most likely. Editions, yes, can last longer than just two years or three years, but it is you won't find that one person being, all right, I'm going to go top 10 at LVO off of starting on 8th. Normally, will not be happening, I but I still was decent enough to compete it, it in. It is a rare league. condition. There, are, there were actually, probably just given the explosive popularity of 8th over previous editions, there were a handful of top table players that were literally like, I've been playing for a year and a half. All right, so, fine, Ricky. They're smarter than me. I was I was actually going to go with the route that they haven't slept. Oh, which is okay. actually how I started seventh edition. I'd like to point out really quickly that neither Sean, Ricky, or I are top tier tournament players. Um, I've played competitively in the past. I believe Ricky has dabbled in competitive play in the past, and it's not something we're particularly interested in. We like to play. We like to win. We don't like to do auto win. Auto win or do research for three weeks before we go to an event. We we I don't like to and... have the rules as written versus rules as intended to win a game. I look for a narrative in every game I play, and that's far more interesting to me than running three smash captains and a Castellan, which I know you can't do anymore. But it's a great example. I have a bit of a different take on my approach to the game and. Uh, you guys aren't going to be able to see Brian cringe, but I, I, I hope you can hear it a little bit when I say uh, I like to play when I'm building a list, I, I want to play a beautiful game and anyone who's ever read Patrick Rothfuss's uh, Wise Man's Fears, there it is there it is, he's cringing right now we'll it's a wonderful that. novel I will actually suggest that no, we're not sponsored by Patrick Rothfuss no, I don't think anyone's... Great writer. It's fantastic. Sean's not read, read anything by him, but he will be leaving with some books this evening. Hopefully his fiance can read them to him. <laughs> just because I was a Marine doesn't mean I can't read. <laughs> They're just not written in crayon. Sorry. That's true. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's got a special Word document that puts it all in crayon. Yeah. It's called Windings. Audiobooks, audiobooks are a thing. If only rules could be uh produced in audiobooks yeah. would be that nice. would actually be fantastic but i think uh, you'd get a few i'm not saying they'd dramatically increase but you'd get a few more players i i like to play what i would term as a beautiful game i like to play in every phase of the game i want it to be new i would like to point out that right now ricky is holding a crystal wine glass drinking mead that's been run through an aerator before he can drink it so if you can imagine the snobbery and the smirk he's wearing right now, dial it up by three. And he's also an Eldar player. Okay, so <laughs> a big part of this game, of any wargaming in general, is you really want to pick an army that powerfully resonates with your personality, I think. It's a big part of the game. I think it's a big part of having longevity in the game. Uh, a lot of competitive players that pick their army because it's going to win don't stay in the game because they don't really enjoy what they're doing. Uh, you'd think I'm an engineer and I 
chose to become an engineer after watching Gundam, so you'd think, honestly, Tau across the board, right? But then I heard that the Eldar were massive narcissists, and uh, here I am with my 30,000 points of Eldar. <laughs> I would like to point out, he's played Blood Angels for the last three years, so he is just another Blood Angels player, and we know who you are. Um, so Blood Angels, the reason I'm a Blood Angels player and an Eldar player is because if you're going to be a part of the Imperium, you need to be a part of the Imperium that knows it's the best and that everyone thinks is the best. So, Blood Angels. I, I actually do not think that's the reason why you play Blood Angels. I remember the conversation pretty clearly, actually. Uh, he's a couple White Claws in, folks. I don't know if you would trust anyone. That's. I'm a White Claw and a half and four cups of coffee in, so I feel like I'm just fine. Plus, he's a Dark Angels player, so you can't really trust his intentions. What did you say why you weren't playing Dark Angels? Huh? Why didn't you play Dark Angels in 8th edition? Why didn't I not play Dark Angels? I believe the exact thing I said was that they are just too close to Eldar. It would make the game too easy. Yes, that, that too. And, it well, those two things actually come very, very near to, near to touching, I think. Uh, Dark Angels in 8th edition and now in 9th edition as well uh, they had access to things that plugged a lot of the holes that were in Imperial armies for example a lack of invulnerable saves Dark Angels have all of the invulnerable saves I don't think there's a single one of their wings that doesn't have broad stream access to invulnerable saves correct me if I'm wrong Brian Deathwing has shields Greenwing no, has Azrael technically scouts Technically scouts. They're Greenwing, though. If they're near Azrael, they have an inbound save. Everybody next to Azrael has an inbound save. That's enough, Yeah, it's though. a real pain playing against it. Says the man that lives and dies off disgustingly resilient or Harlequin flip belts. Or In fields. his defense, he mostly dies off of Harlequin invulnerable save. I'm sorry, I can't roll a four. It's He also can't roll a two for damage. Yeah, two and four are my... Unless Basically, I need to roll those, and then I can't. I think, Sean, even numbers in general might just be your bane. No, because in Age of Sigmar, sixes are the only thing my Maggot can have a roll against hit, uh, Brian's Slaves to Darkness. Exploding sixes. My Slaves to Darkness are a bad army. I have picked them because they were cool, and they're my first Chaos army. Uh, well, uh, beg to differ. Yeah. They were amazing now compared to what they were. I mean, as a Blood Angels player, I beg to differ about them being your first Chaos Army. I know. Alright. So, that's your opinion on Ninth Edition. Brian, I know you've spoken a few, uh, a little bit about it. What do you think? I know you're, you said, you're T.O. What are your hot takes? What are you thinking? What's your first, first few impressions about the games? I know they to be able them. to talk about my opinion as a TO about 9th edition, we need to talk about my opinion as a TO about 8th edition. 8th edition had a giant, massive, glaring flaw. The Terrainials were bad. Were trash. They were awful. 9th edition has dialed in on Terrainials. They are not perfect. To make them perfect, you need more work and more refinement. Which might come. Hopefully 9th edition follows the 8th edition pattern of getting frequent and usable FAQs. Hopefully Terrain's part of that. I, I 
I almost have to, and I haven't deep dive the terrain rules as much as I should because my play frequency just isn't there for 9th edition yet. Hopefully, uh, we'll be rectifying that here shortly, but I believe with giving terrain a few keywords like they did, it's actually, believe it or not, uh, 7th edition had 205 pages of rules, something like that. We just looked at it. Uh, 9th edition has 32, but their terrain rules in a way are actually more comprehensive because of giving terrain keywords like dense, obscuring, uh, all of these things. It actually allows you to create a more nuanced rule set for a given terrain feature. Which I agree with. I also like the fact that you can now narratively set a table with the terrain, which makes things really good. Because ruins on one table for a tournament might be one thing. Ruins on a separate table for a tournament might be something else. They'll be similar, but they don't have to be the same. You you want to know what I like out of 9th edition that was ported over from Age of Sigmar, their test bed? I like that uh, the actual deployment zones do not change. So for a while, Age of, well, as far as I can remember, Age of Sigmar has always had this mission has this deployment zone. As a community, you guys always think you're right, and that is a massive problem as an event organizer. I cannot tell you the number of times I've been cornered in a parking lot or a bar after an event and told I did something did something poorly or the hate mail i've received i'm sorry about you getting hate mail that was not my fault and we all know that from the one itc game you played and that's tournament actually the hate mail didn't come from that but carry on so i know i know ricky and i are not the people that are coming up to you after what the hell on a a game but ricky definitely has Okay, well, I was trying to be nice about Ricky. Constructive criticism is how we grow. Constructive criticism is how we go. Threatening me with his car keys was not constructive criticism. (laughs) I did not threaten you with my car keys. Gestured wildly at my face while holding keys. I gesticulate. I'm not sure you know what that word means. I have a lot of gesticles. I have gesticles the size of grapefruits. All right, so <laughs> let's talk about the other. You should good see a thing. doctor. I've got a long rubber glove. All uh, right, so let's talk about alternating deployment. I like it. It's nostalgic. I know it's not Brian as tactically good, but it just reminds me of older editions and makes me feel good in my heart of hearts. My heart of hearts. So, so Brian is a very nostalgic person. He likes it when people catch tuberculosis because it reminds him of the good old days. Alternating deployment is like tuberculosis. It's one of those things that we had to deal with in the past that we should not have to deal with now. So, I don't feel like it's as bad as TB. I think you're like more like polio. All right. You could survive with crutches or an iron lung. That is actually a much more apt, I will grant that, because... The thing about alternating deployment, the problem with it in the 40k context, I believe it's absolutely fine in Age of Sigmar, because Age of Sigmar is a game largely based in melee combat. And I believe it's alright in Infinity, which is a game that's highly tactical and you always start off hidden. However, in Warhammer 40k, with the game being as large as it is, and with the tables being laid out, and it being a shooting-based game, 
you can very easily end up in a scenario where you alternate deployment, which is perfectly fair and balanced, but then someone gets to go first. And that's not balanced. There's nothing balanced about that. Uh, with ninth edition, my only complaint in terms of the alternating deployment and a way to think they could fix it is if you win the dice roll currently in ninth edition, you get to choose who goes first. Uh, they got rid of seize the initiative, which is a rule they've had in the past. I believe the thing that could fix that would be if when you won that dice roll, you didn't choose who went first. You went first. So whoever, it doesn't, so basically it doesn't matter on deployment. Obviously deployment's huge. Everyone says deployment can win or lose you the game. But what you're trying to say is if both people deploy one after the other, the entire army, and it's just on you win or lose the role, that's who goes first. Yes. It's, and that's, see, so I, I have two different thoughts. One, I'm going to correct you. Infinity is not alternating deployment. One army deploys everything but one model, and then the other army deploys everything but one model, and then you drop your last two models. Each player drops their last model. But, let's hear no there. We'll get to that in a later episode where we talk more about Infinity when N4 finally drops. But, and when Ricky finally buys an army. Uh, I started with 8th. Like I said, start with 8th. Everything was alternating deployment. It got you, for my part, once again, Brian and I are less of the competitors and more of the narrative play or uh, at least have some narrative part to the competitive play. So, I'd, I'd like to point out for alternating deployment, um, my opinion on it's a little bit different than both of theirs, but I'm holding my response so Sean can eloquently tell us about what his opinion is. Okay, so once again, youngest player playing. I get it. Everyone's got better ideas. But it starts you into the mindset of playing competitively, and the game starts at deployment. It's not just another step to to get you closer to that win. You are actively counter-deploying, deploying against your opponent. It kind of gets you in that mindset. You're already, you're already playing at deployment instead of just, I'm going to slap my army down, move a few models around, and then the other person goes. Because I remember, towards the end of 8th, it would be, my I deploy mine stuff, my opponent goes to deploy, and yes, we are not top-tier competitive, I'd run upstairs and grab a drink. Or I'd go over a snack if I didn't have one for the game. That like, was one of the best parts. I could <laughs> that's why Ricky wants it my, the most. I could get coffee while my opponent deployed. I thought that was a, a huge part of the game. Um, really mattered to me. So, yes. He's right. Age of Sigmar is a little different. Because you're a lot, there's a smaller chance of getting shot at the table. Now, not at competitive level. Competitive level, I know Shootcast is pretty decent. I know Zinch is very good with their flamers. But 40k, I don't know if deploying their entire army versus deploying alternating is really that big of a deal. So, before Ricky can jump in and crucify Sean, I'm going to let him struggle with his mead bottle while I continue. 
Um, I don't deploy probably as tactically as Ricky does. The way that I deploy and the way that I actually approach the game is I've already decided how my game's going to go before I even play. Um, and it, I'm not... If Whenever you're reacting to your opponent, that puts you on a back foot. I'm not saying you ignore what they do. I'm not saying that what they do is inconsequential and can change the game. However, I deploy the way I'm going to deploy whether or not I'm going first or second. I've accepted the losses that I'm going to take if I'm going second in the way that I deploy, or I've attempted to mitigate them as much as possible in the way that I deploy. I already know what my first turn is going to be either way. I already know what how I'm going to approach this game before I play. Does it bite me in the ass? Probably more often than it's useful. However, I don't like to be caught on the back foot, and that generally keeps me from getting caught on the back foot. Ricky has strong opinions and shall proceed to enlighten us about the heathenism of our terrible, useless ways. I want to throw this out real quick before Ricky comes in and tries to crucify both of us. Uh, I do like that one dice roll determines who goes first or not. I know that person has a choice, but I think overall it helps out a ton instead of I'm deploying first and maybe I'll put stuff back. I know, like, put stuff all the way back because I even if I win the roll-off, I want to go second or something like that. But I guess I do like that new change that it's no longer if I deploy my whole army, then first, then I'm uh, going first. I believe it what it was. It was plus played one. eighth in a while. No, it was, it was at the end of eighth. It was deploy first, go first. Right now, I remember. Yeah, uh, there were so many changes to the way that we deployed in eighth that it's hard to track at this point. That's true. We haven't played in seven months, which is why I am so upset they backtracked us to the beginning of eighth edition, which is. I suppose the most upsetting thing about it is that it's already been proven to be a bad idea and they've walked us back to it. Um, the, the thing is, and, and Brian will run into this less frequently because Brian is less likely to play in the tournament scene, but if you play against a shooting heavy army, uh, you are... Like like is not to get shot off the board if you deploy entirely. I would like to point out that I've played an entire night list and been shot off the board by Skatari Rangers in turn two. Well, we don't need to talk about the broken army that is Admech because GW loves, loves their... Uh... They were wounded on sixes. But when they wound on six with Skatari Rangers, it is two wounds. You're not wrong. I'm just saying that out of my 120 bag, bag of 120 D6, I pulled 76 out, and I don't pull them out after the first one. Yes, that, that, that is a very bad scenario, but I believe when you, when you attempt to just be like, well, I'll accept my losses, that depends very much against the army you're playing against, because if I'm playing against a melee-heavy chaos army, I generally couldn't care less. I know that their turn one shooting is going to be like, you know, three bolter rounds from the unit of Chaos Marines. 
Or when you guys I feel like you're making fun of my angry soccer mom list. Or when you guys play against me and you know that you're not going to take any first-round losses because I'm not going to roll what I need to. You don't roll any four-plus saves in your first turn, John. No, no, I also can't roll to shoot with fusion pistols. I'm, I'm going to point out that Sean recently lost to me in a game where I lost one model. Okay, your knights don't count. I brought a very, very generous, not just into ninth edition, Necron army, and my who I thought was a friend that I was inviting to my house that I drove to pick him up, brought his knight list. It's, it's also important that the, the entire purpose of that game was to get more familiar with the 9th edition rule set. The rule set, the terrain, all the stuff that didn't matter with his knights. Yes, Brian brought the army that interacts, in any edition, knights interact the least with any given rule set. So the only thing that Brian missed out of the 7 months of not playing every Thursday night was the ability to stomp my army to the ground. I have no defense. <laughs> I will point out that I was exhausted, tired, and asleep on the couch when I wrote Sean at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and said, hey, weren't we supposed to do something today? And he was like, oh yeah, yes. And then I had to make a list in 10 minutes. And nothing is faster than grabbing a handful of knights and going, what's up? Yes, I'm done. also in his office and I can see all of his models sitting out for that is entire they, Sean is actually company. Sur- of Dark Angels. Uh, There's multiple companies there. It's nearly a chapter, actually. Sorry, chapter is what I meant. Ryan has nearly chapter strength Dark Angels. He has a... Uh, what's the company that makes your Lionel Johnson model? They're in Italy. I forget the name of the company. Kabuki Miniatures. Kabuki Miniatures. Which is weird, because I know they're based in Italy. Named Kabuki Miniatures. Uh, I but... actually, on display in my office, I only have two Green Wing companies... A partial Raven Wing and a partial Death Wing, half of a tenth company, and a few vehicles. Yeah. Which which equates to uh, for the for the listeners at home, right? How many points? I don't know. Just a ballpark. They don't need to know exact figures. And I think when Brian says it's only partially, he's looking pronouncedly to his right. Which means that no, all of the all, okay. So did he notice all of the tanks to his left? There are yeah. four rhinos, two predators, two predator, uh, two repulsor executioners on that shelf. That is a bare spattering of vehicles. A bare spattering of vehicles. Oh, and a land raider crusader. That's I a apologize. two thousand point list, Brian. That is a two. That is two thousand <laughs> points. It's more like fifteen hundred. Rhinos are cheap. We yeah, could but... break out Battlescribe right now. Or or the 40k... Well, no. If the 40k cap app tells you it was less than 2,000 points, it'd probably be wrong. What they're picking me on is they're ignoring the two Hellhammers, the four Leaving Rust oh, tanks. Oh, we didn't even talk about the... Was it 4,000 of foot troops for Horus Heresy? 3,000. 3,000. Almost 3,000 points of infantry because I made a mistake. There's also four Contemptor Dreadnoughts, two Land Raiders. Is that a Land Raider Achilles? That is a Land Raider Achilles. Oh, gorgeous That's model. R.I.P. Forge Worlds. Please bring the Achilles back. I didn't have a chance to buy it for my uh, Iron Hands for Horus Heresy, which Three is not Rhinos. fair because Warren Paris Manus is the one that built 
the Achilles. I think he and built everything. Two Castellan robots. Not everything. Mr. Mr. Metal Hands makes everything. He built his own personal Achilles for his own dedicated transport. And ten centibyte Terminators. Yes, yes, I hate your Terminators. I will point out that I do not own any Irredemptors. Yet. At some point, listeners, we will be bringing you uh, Battle Reports or Battle Report-esque. We haven't decided yet. And some of them will be 30k because Brian sent me the green book which has apparently existed for a while which allows me to play my eldar as horus heresy well if anything we still had two armies ricky i play horus heresy just went over this with you trying to get me to join more cults well i'm just saying i will have a lot more fun playing my iron hands versus your eldar in 30k than 40k sean has brian's drug dealers for dummies book open in his lap right now because we are in his office and (laughs) I'm just saying, listeners, be careful. You think plastic crack is dangerous? Wait until you start smelling resin. That stuff is addicting. I will say, as I am not a fan of 7th edition, the Horus Heresy is my favorite miniatures game to date. I enjoy that more than anything else. I have not even dipped my toes that deeply into the pool. I haven't written a background for my marines or my characters. I just collect and paint. That being said, Lionel Johnson goes on pre-order on Friday. So is the Black Book. And the Black Book. And my wallet is about to get a lot lighter. So is mine, because I also have, starting very slowly, a Night Lord's Legion as well. I'm also collecting Lumineth Realm Lords, and it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm also trying to buy a house. Brian! So you're going to be living out of my basement soon with your two, uh, your Lumineth and your new Lion model soon. Uh, just had a hilarious mental image of Brian surrounded by 40k models with just zero in his lap in your basement. <laughs> well, the cats would be on him. Cats wouldn't leave him alone because my cats are devils. Zero would eat your cats. I don't know. That little one is vicious. So Zero. Zero, by the way, is my rehomed, adopted, rescued. Hate Sean. Hate Sean. <laughs> dash no one, out. No one knows why. He he's the best worst doggo on the planet. He is a great doggo. He let me pet him two weeks ago when Sean had food. That yes, when there was food on the line, his hatred was gone. Uh I don't know. There was still some like there was still some borderline like oh I was about to bite the shit out of you. But instead, it would be the food you gave me. Yeah. That being said, for everybody that's going to correct me, my dog is actually exceptionally well trained. He just hates people, and I'm running out of ideas. That happens. When he's alone, he's great. So know that that's a good metric to go by. <laughs> When he's not around Sean, he's great. Ricky, you know. That's true, actually. Which is funny, because most of the time, everyone complains that I steal their dogs, because, for the most part, dogs and cats love me. Because I'm not the most Sean's wonderful allergen-loaded beasts like to sit in my my hat. It's awful. Oh, my cats are amazing. But, back to... Horus Heresy, 40k, and all things that it is. 
classic and resonant, Ricky's going to have to start playing 30k. Yes, at some point we would like to do battle reports. We're not sure how. The idea at the moment that we're floating is doing blog style battle reports because we don't we don't have access to a studio. Currently we're sitting in my office. Though nicely appointed, it's not great for a battle report and we don't think we could do it justice on video. However, we do have access to wonderful still cameras and some pretty talented photographers. So we've considered taking still images and writing play-by-play blogs of yes, our battle the, reports. The other place we could play is my basement with all the water damage on the walls, so it probably won't look great. And people aren't allowed to go into Ricky's house because it is a danger to themselves. I was about to suggest we could play on my balcony. It would just, well, that would actually suit the commentary format really well. Because there would be no audio, so the constant cars going by would not be an issue. Also serenaded by the wonderful people of your local area. It is. Yeah. Honestly, the the west side is an eclectic mix. You would occasionally hear violins and, you know, a drunken domestic dispute. So We are. <laughs> there's that. So, yes, that's, uh, that's in the future. We're also looking at... Uh, Maybe doing a few other things uh, via our Facebook, our YouTube. Facebook, but, YouTube, Instagram will all be a thing. We'll also be doing limited merch drops eventually, so people that like to collect patches, tokens, dice, you like us, stay tuned. Or tolerate us, really. We'll take it. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're, we're not particular about why you listen to this podcast, honestly. You could be... You could just be, like, completely, like, rage listening. And you, guy that we're li- guy that's rage listening right now, hates the sound Poor of all girl. of our voices, thinks we're all stupid. Um, we love you, too. Honestly, if you hate us, blow up the comments section, because the more comments we have, pops our channel higher up on YouTube, and I can take it. I can as well. I will strive tooth and nail to meet your expectations with every fiber of my being because I cannot stand to be disliked. That's a lie. He actually needs people's adoration to bask in. There might be people in our meta that worship him as a god, and he has carefully cultivated that because he needs it. Narcissist. I am also in charge of the editing, so... All you're going to hear is narcissist. <laughs> uh, so, I think we've kind of hit everything we want to on 40k at the moment. I know we've got a few games in. But we forgot to mention important gameplay changes. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So, I one of the big things that they did add in was secondaries right off the main mission. They are a big part of the game now. I know it's not exactly what ITC was, but for local meta, meta, it brought it up in feeling a little bit more competitive. Uh, I like it. That's one of the big changes. I know we've talked a little bit about terrain, which is another big one. Uh, Brian, you were you were actually before GW announced they were doing this. You were actually doing something like this, right? Correct with the secondaries. Yes. Um. Because I, I ran tournaments, and I had run a single ITC tournament, and I don't actually like the way the ITC tournaments work for various reasons. 
they they're not bad at what they do their tournament is not right for me and i don't run them very well i had i enjoy tournaments that aren't cut and dry i don't want sean to win a match and get 73 victory points and ricky to get 12 and then sean can play like garbage for the rest of the game because he got one the rest of the tournament because he got one lucky pair up and then he wins i prefer to reward good generalship so what i did was i created a bunch of secondaries secondary objectives and let my players select them and those would go towards their tournament points winnings their winner loss ratio and then the successful secondaries that you scored would go towards tiebreakers it's not at all like what fantasy is uh, 40k sorry about that has done but it is in the same vein was my way better was eighth edition better i don't know yet i've honestly not sat down as a tournament writer with the rules for eighth edition and designed a tournament yet i don't know when i'll be able to host tournaments at my local store again i've just been lazy really everybody's been a little extra lazy yeah i definitely thought i was going to get a lot more done like hobby wise and uh yeah i didn't i had actually laid down uh most of my hobby related stuff right before the pandemic for personal reasons and it's only recently that i've picked it back up and started you know getting back into my battle scribe habit and for those of you who have a battle scribe habit you know that that's you know building lists at all times of the day does not matter yes so what do you think about battle scribe versus the gw app oh you mean you can build a list i know the gw app has a long way to go i love the fact that i have a data sheet for named character in the dark angel that is 100 percent inaccurate that is so amazing because they actually own the intellectual property of the character sheet so here's my issue i have gone back and forth yes it came out i instantly got it i have started trusting gw's apps based off of Azir, which was used for Age of Sigmar, which is an amazing, perfect app. is about as good as you're going to get for an Age of Sigmar app. I love it. Battlescribe just can't, like, nothing against them. It just does not compare when building a list for Age of Sigmar. And I get it's not the exact same comparison apples to apples because the 40k app has a lot more inside of it with rules, with extra rules because... I know you can only buy, you can only get certain rules in it through the Age of Sigmar app if you buy the books, but it does what you need to do for a very small price tag. 40k was a little bit larger, but I was like, yes, I can do five dollars a month to get rules that I'm not going to go out and buy a forty dollar book for every army. I'm not a LVO player. I'm not a top tier competitive player that's trying to win every game to go a 5-0 or whatever to get first place at LVO, Nova or Gen Con like, or, and a D 
Adepticon. Like, I'm not that person not making those travels just yet. I know but at you some have point we might. to become that person. This is important. Yes. So, like, I don't buy every book. Do I have interest in most armies? But I'm not going to go out and buy a $40 book for everything. So, $5 a month, I can get rules for every army so I can look up some of the special stuff for each army. That's good, good for me. I understand it's not what a lot of people were hoping for, for what they promised, but it's what we got. So, uh, let's well, go and go for it, One of the uh, bigger changes that we've had in 9th edition is the way that vehicles function. And I know for me as an Eldar player, one of the large, one of the, uh, the strategies I would use with some ubiquity is just taking a base unit of five howling banshees i think they were something like 65 points and running them into a line of three or four tanks and immediately being able to completely shut down an entire tank line with one charge of 65 points and in ninth edition that's not really a thing Yeah, so I know I was, so because I have iron hands for Horus Heresy, I was able to port over a bunch of models uh, when the Iron Hands book came out. Broken. Broken. Cheating. Awful Iron Hands. So, cheating was a fact of misreading rules in between the both of us. Did, did we misread a rule? I'm pretty sure we did. Oh, okay. I think how we were healing the tanks. Yes, because that was FAQ later. Yeah. Yep. So it was okay for the game we played, but it was FAQ'd after the fact. Which, yes, 100% broken. But Three Last Vindicators are not relics, so you don't have to have a heavy support slot to, for each of them. So I officially, they are... At the time, they were 185 points compared to what everyone was telling me to take the Executioner Hover Primaris thing. I can't remember the name of it. It's Repulsor Executioner. Who's one to your left? There okay, seeing two. it will not help me there remember the name. There are two to your left. Yeah, there are two. Brian's but continual attempt over to understate the, how much plastic crack he owns. Over the 300 points that that thing is, my 180 points, 185 point last Vindicator does the same thing if it doesn't move. It gets to shoot twice. But they are also, I think, strength 10, AP 4, D6 damage each shot. If I remember correctly. I don't remember correctly, for, but I know pound for pound the last Vindicator is better than the repulsor executioner you do lose out on the nine thousand storm bolter and auto mantra frag launcher shots but what you gain is a vehicle that basically has no confusion about what its role is it can sit back and just take pot shots all yeah. day it's just it's uh distance for shot isn't the best but for how good iron hands were when they started you can move them turn one not need the double shots and then turn two, you'd be in position. And because it was 185 points, you had the ability to bring multiple other stuff. There were also pains, like a uh, Sikarin. He burned a Bane Blade in one round of shooting. 
Yeah. This the Bane Blade targeted... didn't even get to shoot. That's because you targeted, on your first turn, the Sikorin Battle Tank instead of the Last Vindicators. But, what I'm saying is, for games like that, I was running... You'd run the tank up, and crap, alright. I have a tank that is going to waste the round to move back. I know that I suffered heavily at the start of 8th edition when I was playing Death Guard heavily. All it was is someone would come up or alpha strike you, or alpha strike you but just to sit on my tank, and then all it does is it moved to try to fall out of combat. Next turn did the same thing, and you just hope that the uh, spitters actually t killed something on the way in. It's true, but that is no longer a problem this edition. <coughs> because tanks can now shoot into combat, which is huge. Those same spitters that Sean was using in Overwatch can now fire in your shooting phase. Yes, which is amazing because you have auto-hitting spitters. I know right now that's not as much the meta because, and I say meta loosely because no one's really playing at big tournaments, but Entropy Cannons have been given a little bit more through the Psychic uh, Awakening books that the Entropy Cannons actually have uh, some decent uh, utility now. Which, that's a huge difference for the game right there. The ability for tanks to shoot into combat is is nothing short of game-changing. My Banshee strategy just won't work anymore. They're going to get blown off the table when, you know, the first turn you attempt to interrupt tanks. Also, with the changes to the shooting order, you could, for example, with a Lehman Russ, declare your side sponsons into my Howling Banshees. And if you manage to kill them, you could declare your main weapon at something else and still fire it because that's how the order of operations works now. The other big difference, and I'll apply it as an Eldar player probably more broadly than most players will, uh, the change to the fly keyword... I think, however, when you declare the shots with your Lehman Russ, you do have to declare all of your shots before you start shooting. For example, I'm going to kill the Howling Banshees with the Heavy Bolters, and then I'm going to target the Dark Reapers with the Battle Cannon. I have to say that before I shoot, and hope those Heavy Bolters kill the Banshees, if I remember correctly. That is true, but now you at least have the option to do that. Correct. I wasn't. I just wanted to make sure that we were no, correct I, on the rule. I believe the same thing applies for targeting characters as well, which is again a, a huge difference. So, uh, to get back to fly, yes, fly has changed because I was one of those little, uh, I guess, dickheads that purposely took three an airwing detachment of two hemlocks and a crimson hunter XR with my harlequins, just because. That army does not have a punching power that can stay on the board. I know everyone's like, bikers, 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 all day long. Problem is, they're glass cannon. Everyone knows, oh, bikes are what you target. Yes, the fusion boats can help uh, do a lot of work, except for me, because I don't roll what I need to roll. With that army alone, but I used to use... The hemlocks is major avenue uh, blockers because they have psychic power, so I could just smite or I could jinx. 
and I could run them up and sit them in the way and just block people from moving towards me. It was a valid tactic, and now you can move across their bases. Well, that was a change toward the end of 8th edition, and I think a good one, because it never made a lot of sense to me. It's like, ah, my plane blocks you. You know, theoretically, that plane is hundreds of feet in the air, if not more. It should not be blocking the passage of, of you know, basic ground infantry from a fluff standpoint, so that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But the... Uh, the big difference for me for Fly is not necessarily how that's changed, but the fact that Fly used to allow you to fall back and shoot. And I think that's something that players who start in 9th edition are going to look back and be like, well, why is that? And honestly, I can't think of a good reason for it. It In 8th edition, definitely created a class of haves and have-nots. If all of your tanks flew... He's glaring at me right now because he hates Talon Masters more than anything on the planet. Uh, Talon Masters are stupid. That's why. I'm not the only one who hates them. They, you know, for no reason, they're a, <coughs> what, a seven-wound lieutenant character that also has fly. Yeah, no, t Talon Masters make no sense. They also, Ravenwing units within six inches, uh, shooting at something uh, that unit no longer gives the advantage of cover, and they reroll once to wound. Assault cannon go boot. <laughs> so there, go bye bye. And now they're even better because, as vehicles, they now get the relentless or the uh, the pseudo relentless rule, where they now shoot up ballistic skill all the time. Yes, which. I never, I guess I never really understood. You have, and this they got, they did for all the, uh, I believe it's all vehicles. I know I'm not the best at rules, but if you have a vehicle that is always, like, it's a tank. It's supposed to move, and it's supposed to be firing. If it moves, why is it auto going from a, a certain ballistic skill, now it's going to have a negative, Right. It's a balancing thing that was left over from older editions when tanks were far more powerful. If we look at 7th edition or Horus Heresy, for example, a land raider with frontside armor 14 is actually a little bit more terrifying than a toughness 8 16-wound land raider. I will say, for the military man in me, that... Uh, Stabilizers have been invented since the 40s. Well, yes, but I'm saying that playing the Horus Heresy... I love facing. I don't care if you want to talk about the different armor plating of each side. That's just a horse heresy fun uh, rule set. But for facing and having this whole thing that used to happen with, oh, I see your antenna array that you happen to model on because it's a, you can or don't have to on this one model, but now I can target you because I can see you. That, you know. <sighs> That's a holdover from 7th edition. Actually, if we uh, break that wondrous rule book back out, you will note that there is a section in there where it speaks about things like 
antennas, wings, and the barrels of weapons don't count as part of your visibility. That's actually a holdover from many editions before 7. Huh? That, mm. that was a thing in previous editions. Thank you, old guy. <laughs> uh, for, for, for your time... Jesus Christ, Brian! Brian has had a headset problem, so apparently... We're fine. Everybody's fine here. How are you doing? You need to... You know, I don't, I don't think you're made of honor material. That third white claw is really doing you in. I believe that... No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a rebuttal, but you're wrong! Ricky is over here, barely able to contain himself in a chair after drinking two bottles of weed. That's a bottle and a half. Don't give him Thank you, Sean. I am not a drunk. No, I, I'm, I'm saying you're a drunk on less. Un-thank you, Sean. <laughs> so, yes, I love basing. If it was a thing in 9th edition, I would not be upset. I think it is just... One more thing that gives you a little bit more of I'm tactics, not... but I get we are not at that. That's not what this game is. I'm not a game designer. I couldn't argue why they removed spacing, but I can tell you there's probably a fair amount of players that would really like to see it back. It would bring back a whole new type of vehicle tactics, style of playing the game, and really it would make more difficult decisions for players that have gotten used to just being able to be like, oh, it doesn't matter where I'm pointing. I do what I want. I'm not going to... I know Rhino's not the greatest thing for it, but let's take uh, a Predator. You're not going to drive up a Predator and put it sideways to block your Marines sitting on an objective. Because, well, Predator's not a good example either because it's got a turret. So I'll just uh, walk myself back. Of running a rhino How about a up. Vindicator? Sure, a Vindicator. You're not going to run stuff up sideways just because you know the rules allow you to shoot uh, from the front, or from anywhere, even if your ass end is driving towards the opponent. I, think I personally just like to launch missiles out of my aircraft engines. Exhaust. Yeah. That's, that's good for me. I don't know. I think it just brings back some interesting stuff. Yeah. See, I don't really have much uh, ground to stand on here as an Eldar player because all of our weapons were turret, just about. Uh, We also had the vector engine that after you shot, it allowed you to pivot. So, like, for example, with the Wave Serpent Falcon, your disembark point was in the rear door. So you would drive up and flip around and, you know, exposing your rear armor. Then you would fire your shirt and cannons at nothing and flip around so your front armor was facing. So there was really... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't interact with the rules as much except for, you know, being a jerk and taking advantage of Imperial vehicles. I get how it can be one-sided because, like I said, Horse Heresy is a game of, normally, without the green books that are uh, made by the community, it is Marine versus Marine. Everything's basically the same, right? 
all Imperium. It's all Space Marine. I know we have a few Mechanica. There's Mechanicum, and there's also Guard. But those models are stellar, too, the, the Mechanicum. The oh, eight. they're so beautiful. The hoverboats? No, no, no. We're talking about 30, uh, 30K. Oh, 30K Mechanicum. If 30K Mechanicum was available for 40K, everybody would play a 40K Mechanicum army. Everybody. I think that they might be going that direction with the new call stuff, and they just released that guy with Blackstone Fortress, who's clearly a man of iron. Did you know that if they follow the fluff that they put in the Lionel Johnson Primark book, Oh, here we go. And with the data sheets they showed in the table of contents in book nine, that the Dark Angels will have access to men of iron. He is... is he got out a telescoping pointer and there's a yarn wall with like newspaper articles on it there's the assassination of kennedy on one of the points i don't know how that coincides with this theory but uh, i've only ever had one crazy man theory and it didn't pan out one uh we were actually there for that john where he's like i saw a lionel johnson box that's not my crazy man theory in the back of a you know, Warhammer 40k podcast. That That's not my crazy man theory. Was it your crazy man theory? That seemed pretty crazy. My crazy man theory was connecting the dots for I Will Awaken with Psychic Awakening and being like, oh, it sounds like the lion, but instead we're getting the silent king. Yep. You shouldn't be talking because he's silent. So let's, uh, let's talk about some of the new stuff that's coming out for GW. I know we talked about what's upcoming next week. Uh, with the Heresy and Age of Sigmar. But let's go into... We have been shown a ton of stuff for the Necrons. We've been shown the Primaris Predator, the Gladiator, Gladys, or... Caesar. Gladiator? It's Gladiator. But Gladiator. there's, I guess there's three different names per the gun top. Yeah, because there's the Last Cannon, the uh, Assault Cannon version, or Gatlin Cannon now. And I don't remember the third. Plasma cannon? That'd be cool. I don't Maybe. remember. Uh, but basically... And the ACAC. Yes. And the bunker. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. The little ATV vehicle for a second. Oh, the ATV? I forgot about that. I meant the, by the ACAC. Clearly the stolen from the orc line after the orc model got disbanded. Or legend. The orc war buggy. The Orc War Boogie got legend got the legend bat, and then they're like, but Primaris. Clearly, Blood Ravens were involved. I yes. think that's pretty accurate. However, it's, if I could have a little, I think it's a five-wound T7 ATV with an Onslaught Gatling cannon. I want to bring up a meme, though, that I saw, and I wish I had it on hand to show everyone. But basically... The Mario Kart car? No, the... The everything that GW has. Oh, we've got uh, horse heresy. We have hover bikes. Let's make them wheeled bikes. Oh, and then they go all the way through all the different stuff. Oh, we got a normal rhino. Let's give them a hover rhino. And then they have a land speeder. And they're like, fuck it. ATV that bitch. <laughs> it's all Primaris. is just a reversal of grab technology. Yeah. It's like, if it has graph, get rid of it. If it doesn't have graph, add it. Primaris. Makes sense. 
Give it an extra wound and an extra attack. They, yeah, that's true, actually. Everything Primaris has to have an extra wound and an extra attack. What about strength and toughness, though? I can't remember. I haven't played Prime. I haven't had Slay Panic. Space Marine in forever. It's four and four. Ah. So they're stronger, they're just bigger. Well, you don't really need to know about Space Marines to understand Primaris, because they're actually Eldar. Alright. Back to the topic. Let's talk about the new Necrons. Oh, and all the stuff that they just previewed. You got Gunslinger Necron Boy. Oh, he is, he is the best. He is like Splinter Cell and a Hermit Crab. I Had cannot wait to get him, except for if his, mo- if his model comes out, and those are just lower than T4, this is going to be a problem. Necron? It's a, it's a character. Yeah. So what's your destroyer character? The pistol. Oh, they're probably strength four. Maybe strength five. See, the problem is what I, that I've seen, given this is a, a nice small violin moment from a Necron player. We got all this new stuff from uh, the ninth edition drop. And they are still, if you want to put them on the table, they're like, all right, go get your old models because the new stuff's cool, but it's, you still need the old, you still need your Doomsday Arcs, your three Doomsday Arcs. Your well, Scorpeth Destroyer Lord's pretty cool. He is cool. The models are amazing. I'm not arguing the models. I mean, he cut up a Warglaive. Yeah. It's pretty solid. He cut up the Warglaive. The Scorp Tech Destroyers are the ones I'm running into an issue with. They're great. I think they need to be running in units of six. I think... I think Primary Spikes also need to be running in a unit of six with an optional attachment for the ATV. Yeah. I can see that happening with the new book that comes out. What do you think? Wait, he has to take off his tinfoil hat. Give him a minute. He has to stop dreaming about Eldar drops. Uh, you mean the things plastic aspect warriors, all of them ever going to get? Oh yeah, plastic striking scorpions. You will see my Alyatak Ayandin Uthwainami come down from the heavens and be full of plastic striking scorpions. I mean, I'll say that's probably the the biggest thing that's holding some people back from jumping on Eldar is half the line being fine cast and not even good fine cast i'm i'm sorry when i like so i did this thing at start of eighth where i couldn't decide an army (coughs) after i had the death guard so i had the death guard but i had a bunch of like brand new to the whole warhammer 40k so i have a smattering of armies it was fantastic i've never seen somebody so excited yes it was amazing a little kid in a candy shop and I had a billion dollars for it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, cool. This this drop, this book drops this time. So I had pretty much a bunch of different books, bought the Eldar book, and then I found out that everything, most stuff is fine cast. And it's not, it's not like it's a pain to work with, but it's just, it's not a good material. And a lot of the sculpts are not great. Well, the triple thought of the Eldar Finecast sculpts is they're actually the last generation of pewter models that they just transferred to resin. There's no other word for it. That's all they did. 
was they just recap they just uh basically took the pewter stuck it in clay made a silicone mold of the pewter then used that mold to make resin models there was i think in my professional opinion because that's what i do uh very little effort put in but devil's advocate they're not as they're not nearly as bad as um as some models for example i would prefer the eldar fine cast to the brand new uh space marine intercessor models that i purchased in an apocalypse box not too long ago which are completely plastic but they offer you nothing in the regard of being a plastic model there is no ability to customize these whatsoever they are completely pre-posed the sockets are odd shapes you would have to go a country mile out of your way if you wanted to custom pose even one of them let alone an entire unit so i don't think that the aspect warriors being in resin is a problem unless they're exposed to you know if you leave them in the trunk of your car and all the chain swords melt for example and are now pointing down did that happen to you huh did that happen to you? Oh, that's interesting. I would like to relate that back to a shut up, Brian. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ricky, so, Ricky needs his nap. So the none of my models have ever melted. So I get it. But you work at the game store. I'm so not complaining about the new. <laughs> I'm not complaining about the new models. Look, they look amazing. I don't think anyone can really complain, unless you're just trying to be a salty boy. The models are great. Building some of the new Necron models have been a little bit of an issue. The uh, Illuminar Caesaris was as close as a nightmare as I can get. Well, what building is your model? opinion of him? Because I know everybody was upset with the Psychic Awakening Necron rules. Basically, they just took those rules and they're going to put them in the new codex. Figure that yeah, because there were no there were no rules. They got one model. What? What is your opinion of that? Because I haven't heard anybody talk about him one way or another. He's All I've heard is the bitching about the rules. He's not useful. Why not? Because, so, yes, he can do some crazy stuff with impact in the game, but it is so one-sided. So, it he is built around building solely immortals and warriors. And what he can do is give them plus one strength, plus one toughness, or plus one ballistic skill, I believe. T6 Immortals would be very good. But you don't get to choose. It's a D3 roll, and once you adjust them, it is that for the game. That sucks. Yeah. Also, with the change to command re-roll, it couldn't be used for that. Yep. Yep. So... So what you're basically saying is, I go, hey... I'm going to roll for... I want this unit to get this. I roll for it. Great. I don't get it. Now that unit that I paid the extra points for Caesaris to be there, yes, he can do it to multiple units, but I don't see many people bringing four units of Immortals or four units of Warriors or a mix between because... Haven't you done that in almost every game of 9th edition in Necros? Yes, but I've learned that it's not needed. Four units of Immortals is not needed. Four units of Warriors is not needed. 
because their army has scarabs, which are way cheaper and can easily get around, and I don't need to try and stick with 12 CP. I can go down a little bit because how much you get out of that one CP per turn is a mile ahead of trying to re-roll for one if you spent one in 8th edition. So being down at the start isn't that bad. And if you look at 8th edition play anyways, you are already playing with 9 command points normally for a Necron list. Unless you're going super uh, hard with Supreme Commands and stuff like that to try and get more. I guess that's something else we haven't really touched on though either is the difference in list construction that you now have available to you in 8th edition. What differences are there for you? The largest difference is honestly the fact that you can afford to, and it's not so much a difference for me as it is for lists I play against, is that you can, for example, bring two patrol detachments and have 10 command points and stack just the best stuff in the codex. Because uh, uh, a patrol you get, I think, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe a patrol is two HQ slots, three available troop choices, and two for every other slot. I believe so. Something along those lines. I honestly don't remember. And one, one you have one mandatory HQ and one mandatory troop choice. So I thought a patrol you could do one mandatory HQ, one mandatory. Yes, what you just said. Yes, that... But it allows you a lot more creative freedom if, uh, for example, certain armies, uh, well, all armies, actually, all armies favor a certain slot. Um, in the case of Space Marines, generally, it's the elite choices. Um, in Eldar, arguably, the fast attack and the heavy sport are the ones that you struggle for and you always want more of. But the ability to just take two patrol detachments and then spend all of your points on elite units and still have a ton of command points is huge. It's a massive change to the game. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. So I, I've built a few lists through my uh, Harlequins, Death Guard, and Necrons. You know, the three armies I'm sticking with for a while, I know that's a lot more than most. That's a lot more to try and learn and play. But I know Harlequins pretty well uh death guard second uh necrons are something i picked up to, or i had already i just hadn't played it as much because they're pretty much as most people would agree pretty bad towards the end of eighth or and honestly all of eighth but the harlequins i've noticed that i can play around with most likely it's going to be always two different detachments and sitting around 9 to 10 CP in between double patrols or uh, likewise. Because honestly, for my Harlequin bikes, I don't take three units of six or three units of five. I would like, uh, I still need one more unit of bikes, or one more box of bikes to do two units of five. And I'm going to start bringing the NCARN because it is just something different that that army doesn't have. You're already moving fast, but now I'm going to have something that is going to bother the opponent way more than just a normal game. And it doesn't change. So I know, like, I never got into Yunari because I didn't want to run something that completely changed my army. Where running just the Encarn doesn't. And I can 
really mess with my opponent just by moving them, potentially throwing off somewhere, and I still can have a unit of blights go up in the other. I'm running the unit of five because I don't have to, because the unit of five blights, yes, you are down one, and most likely you're going to lose one, and you're going to be down to four, but that makes off the start of the game, I don't have to worry about the coherency as much. Yeah, uh, coherency is that, and also blast weapons. Yep. Well, blast, I'm not scared of. It's like blast is gonna hurt you if, if it does if if it doesn't. The problem with it is having a unit of bikes that are wholly trying to stay and hidden behind cover or something that obscures them, like your ruins. You need to have it set up at a certain angle. So if one model can't be in the correct coherency, it throws that whole unit off. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, uh, especially with the Harlequin bikes, they are a very large model, and it's difficult to hide a whole unit of them, and they're quite expensive. Yep. Uh, the Yinkarn, I think, will add an interesting aspect to your play, because the Yinkarn, the Yinkarn, when played well, is probably the single most annoying unit in the game. I know you destroyed me with that. The, for Death Guard, honestly, I know a lot of people have been building... I've seen a lot from Mini Wargamings, a few other, uh, I think, Tabletop Titans, uh, Tabletop Tactics. What they've said, I think Death Guard, the way I play it, is going to be heavy on uh, heavy supports and a lot of vehicles and really take off that Psychic Awakening. And hopefully it sticks around and doesn't get what happened, what, what I've heard from 7th happen 8th. You get all these special rules at the end of 7th, and then 8th gets rid of it all. They tend to, they tend to do that. Uh, just totally, uh, they flip the script on a lot of units GW does. Um, I definitely saw it from 7th to 8th with Eldar, and I would almost argue that with some of the changes for 8th edition, I don't know if it's intentional, or for 9th edition rather, uh, that they might have flipped it back again. Especially in the case of Eldar bikes. It's like, they're great at the end of 7th edition. They were the best troop choice in the game. And then they got nerfed into the mud at uh, uh, at the beginning of 8th edition with they lost one of their, they lost a point of armor and they got moved fast tax slot and lost the relentless rule. Uh, which push scatter bikes back but now scatter bikes are viable again because they no longer suffer the penalty minus one to hit and i think that is going to change the game uh back a lot closer to what we had in the seventh edition meta i think that the game is always going to be swinging um, because we have to remember that companies like gw are paying attention to what sells and what doesn't sell yeah and so if something like crashes out for a whole edition they'll buff it in the next edition and then vice versa that's just what they do. They want to make sure the product wins. And I know that's a shit thing to say, but that's the truth. Hey, they're a company at the end of the day. They it, sell models. It is, the, it is the truth, and I think they also understand that that they can actually, to more than a small extent, curate their own demand by making something good in the rules. Yes. You know, they can... Uh, I, I would like to point out uh, Space Marines in general with all the new releases. Wow, that's super weird. They become incredible in the game right when a bunch of new stuff that needs to sell comes out. Yep. 
super weird. Uh, Brian, how does uh, your list building shit? How does it change? I'm stuck. That's one of the reasons why I've only played Dark Eldar and Knights in 9th edition. Because I can look at what I have available to me as Dark Angels, and it's all great. Um, but nothing's capturing my my attention. I don't know what I want to play. I don't with my elder army. I don't know what I want to play. And those are armies. My dark angels. My elder. Those are my armies where I have nearly every single model in range, so I can actually have some debate. Whereas, like my dark elder, my knights. My Imperial Guard, if I'm going to play them, I'm going to play with what I own. Uh, my Grey Knights, if I ever get around building them. My Custodes, if I ever get around to building them. Um, I just don't know what I want to do yet. And I don't know if that's a carryover from COVID, if that's just that all my energy is pointed towards Horus Heresy right now. But I don't see my Dark Angels walking onto a table anytime soon. Not because I don't like them, but because they're, I'm just not... When I play a game, I like to feel good about the army. Like, a connection to the army I'm playing. I enjoy it, because I want to play. And right now with Dark Angels, maybe I overplayed them in 8th. That could be very true. I played a lot of games with Dark Angels in 8th. I broke a lot of hearts with Dark Angels in 8th edition. So, I just don't know. So I can't answer that accurately at this time. I know I'm looking forward to the changes. They seem really, really cool but I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Okay. Um, Alright. I uh, I think that brings us to the end of the night. I, I think so. I think we covered most of the, the uh, crucial points of the update to this new edition of 40k. We rambled a little bit, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, it's going to be exciting to see how it goes. Um, if they keep their up their FAQ schedule, we are only a few weeks away from the first FAQ. I believe. I so. would expect to see the first FAQ after Necrons and Space Marines drop. They probably already already know. Yeah. Honestly, they're both right. I just hope not. Uh, all right. Uh, we will be back again in two weeks. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook on our Wargaming uh, War After Dark Facebook page. You can reach us uh, through our Instagram page. Which is also Wargaming After Dark. And then our Gmail account, which is? Wargaming After Dark. It's really easy to keep track of. Yes. So, uh, once again, you can reach us that way. Comment on YouTube. Agree, disagree. Yell at us. Don't. Everything helps. Thank you all. Good night. Bye, everybody. Have a good night.